You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. All right, there it is. You're back. You had another camping weekend. How many in a row is this? This would be three, and I'm probably due for two more, I would say. Do I look like I've been gone camping to you, Bracken? You're pretty put together. So I, other, I mean, the flannel says fall slash camping slash hunting. So you've got the look, but Thank it's you. not a, it's not a disheveled look. Mm. It's a put together outdoorsy look. Mm. It's like the metrosexual lumberjack, which is the worst kind of lumberjack. Now I was in North Face this weekend, mm-hmm. late last week, and I looked for your flannel. I didn't see them. Yeah, I bought these online. I got like three of them, a blue one, a green one, and a red one now, and they're just fantastic. I was going to get one and not tell you and then wear it today, but I couldn't find one. Just look up North Face Buffalo Plaid Fleece. Buffalo Plaid. Yep, and you'll uh, you'll find them, and you can get them for like 60 bucks. They're fantastic. If it was socially acceptable to wear like these three things all year long, I would, but... I think it's becoming more and more because with your ponytail, it's an ironic look, which is accepted in like a third of the country with your facial hair. It's like a manly outdoorsy and that's accepted in a third of the country. And then the other third, I don't think they even notice fashion. So you'll be fine. I don't have a ponytail. That's what I'm stuck on. What do you have? What do you have there? It's a bun bracken. I mean, that's a ponytail. That's uh, I don't like that. I don't like what you're calling it right now. I think bun is a misnomer. How so? I think people have glamped onto the word man bun because it sounds to them cooler than I'm a guy who wears a ponytail. No, no, no. A bun requires a decent amount of volume bound up in there where a man bun is just a ponytail with the end tucked in, which is not a true bun. Um, I don't know if I agree. We're going to have to have some women chime in on this, I think. And any other man bun wearers out there. As the person with the smallest hands in this room, which (laughs) makes me the most feminine, I feel qualified to talk on this. But you have the least amount of hair, which is contradictory of being the most feminine. Neither did the women in in Black Panther, and they were incredibly BA yet feminine. So That is true, actually. I guess don't judge a book by its hair amount. Okay. If you get anything out of today, I guess that's what it is. (laughs) We are. We tangented immediately. That's good. It's a good start. We made it two minutes and 30 seconds before, man, maybe even less. Before what? Before getting off the rails. Yeah, doesn't take long. How was your weekend, Bracken? I was, uh, we kind of talked this out because in our Friday episode, I was in my camper up north. I named my camper. Oh my goodness. You haven't told me this either. So tell. I'm excited for the reveal. Is it a male name or a female name? I don't know if you, a female name doesn't feel right for a camper. Okay. I didn't. It's Ricky. Its name's Ricky. Ricky. Yeah, uh, Retro Ricky. Retro Ricky. I approve. Yeah, it it feels right. So Rick, Ricky, it is. If yours is retro, what is mine? 
Well, the name, like the model is retro. It says it on the front of my oh, okay. camper. Okay. So it's retro, retro Ricky. Although it's a 2014, which makes it not retro. Like the annoying kind of retro, trying to be retro. I got you. Retro Ricky. Well, we'll yeah. have to introduce Rich, Ricky and Arnie. That's what I'm hoping. What year is Arnold? 91, I believe. So Arnold's actually retro. The, the, the youngest he could be is 93. He's either a 91 or a 93. I'd, I'd have to double check because I was looking at two models of the same model. That makes sense. Two models of the same make, I should say. No. Okay. Well, Arnie and Ricky should, uh, we'll make a play date for the two coming up sometime. A 91 Sunlight Discovery, if anyone's curious. I think nobody was, but now they know. Now that they know, they feel satisfied. Oh, yeah. It's a very right. distinctive look. It's it's at that age where anything that was white is a really set in yellow, like a faded light yeah. yellow. Where you can't fake it. There's no color on earth that naturally you can create. It has to be weathered to that type of yellow. That's what it is. That, yeah, slightly off-putting color of yellow. Oh, no, it's endearing, to use a uh, current word. Mm, I do like endearing. Okay. Well... And is it a pop-up? Not to I know we talk about our campers a lot. We must have like a weird inside closet fetish or something that we need to just come to terms with. But uh, <laughs> what type of camper is yours? Mine is considered a uh, a high wall pop-up. Okay. So it only pops up about 16 inches. So the wall itself is almost five and a half feet tall. And then it pops up to seven feet. Okay. So with with the hard top down, Lisa and the kids can stand up inside it. Got it. And then it pops up a little bit for for just the access to the top bunk and so I can stand up. Because you're so tall. <laughs> I'm more than 5'6". <five>, <laughs> but if, if I wanted to, like if I pulled in somewhere late and we didn't have all the kids or if it was just Lisa and I or just me, I could I could just leave it down and sleep in there. And you can sit on the couch just fine. So... I like it. There's more privacy, a little bit more secure. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to have, plan a day. I think it's it'll be overdue now that we're both living the the glamping lifestyle. I did have something happen to me out in the woods this weekend that scared the shit out of me. If you want to hear about that before we seems to be a trend with you. What's that? You have things that happen to you in the woods. Uh, I w- well, I spent a lot of time there, so stuff's bound to happen. But I had a great weekend. Um, I didn't like shoot a deer or anything, although I saw a lot of them. I had a few people mention I should talk about my deer hunting more recently. And I was like, I don't think the majority of people want to hear this, but I'll give a clue. You know, I get up at like four or four thirty, make the half hour drive to some sort of public land out in Wisconsin. I have like, you know, multiple pieces that I put game cameras on and I'm very nerdy when it comes to this and I study what they're doing. And then I, so I have a home base, which is my campsite. And then I, spider web off of that to where I think is the best but I like to get out early so I'm always walking in the woods in the pitch black to my you know where I plan to hunt set up your deer stand it's a process well on Saturday morning I was in the woods about an hour 15 early and you know walking I don't know if any of you do this but like walking in large traces of land in the pitch black when you know there are like you don't know what's out there like the unknown is kind of creepy so it's like a very like adrenaline filled situation. I've become more and more comfortable with it. But ever since like my little bear attack last year, I'm always just a little on edge. So I got bear spray on my hip, which makes me feel like a ninny, but whatever. 
And <clears throat> I'm walking through the woods in the pitch black an hour and 15 before daylight. And somebody yells at me from like 30 yards away. Hey, what side of the fence are you on? That's what they say in the pitch black. And I like, I'm out there before everybody always. And I literally almost shot myself. It's dead quiet, pitch black, no lights. I'm a half mile back. I'm walking the border between private and public property. There's a fence that separates the two. I'm <clears throat> legally doing this. Apparently, the landowners had people trespassing the, the past week, and they made a stakeout to catch them. They assumed I was thus trespasser. And so they, they got out early to then bust whoever was cutting through their property, which I wasn't. I was following the fence line on the public land and doing it properly. But I got caught in a stakeout. Wow. Incorrectly. And you know what it's like to be yelled at in the pitch black in half mile under the woods all alone? No. Terrifying. Anyways, after I had a heart attack, I got resuscitated and then continued out with my morning. And then I had a conversation. Did you chat with them a bit? Yeah, I got pissed. Pissed me off. That's not the right approach. I do that to somebody. So I acted sharply. I was like, what the? I'm on the public side of the fence, you ass. I got pissed. I was upset. That was the wrong approach, especially when I was doing my best to do right. And then they softened up right away. And it was a woman. Really? Nonetheless, she's a brave soul. It was a woman out there. Her and her husband were separated, trying to catch whoever was cutting through the property. But anyways, that was my little story this weekend. It was, uh, it was, I don't know. I'd like to say that I'm not easily rattled, but that rattled me, I'm being honest. I can imagine. I was doing a run early. It's a little, uh, little dark still. Trying to get my, my night eyes adjusted. For, for what purpose? Oh, for the Tennessee Mile? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to squeeze a run in. Okay. Well, I thought you were trying to be... No, no, no. Okay. And there was a some sort of a drainage pipe, like a plastic, plasticized, like you would see in landscaping. But it was wrapped a little bit in some sort of material. And it was just on the side of the hill and it came out and paralleled the trail. And it just stuck out about eight feet. Every single time through, I thought it was a person lying on the ground. So I was doing the same loop over and over and like five straight times I had like a little jolt. Like what in the world? Cause it's like suddenly eight inches away from my foot. And I think there's a person laying on the ground. You'd think I would have noticed after lap one, but I was listening to music. I was in a place where there's no one else. I was just zoned out. You don't have to pay attention. There's no, no one on the trail. And it got me like six or seven straight times. They didn't make a sound. Yeah. Yeah. You catch that white color in your headlamp or whatever it is, and it's creepy. And it was the same exact thought process every lap. It was, what is that? Is that a, oh, I'm an idiot. Every time, like I couldn't help it. By the time I got back around to that point, I was thinking about the shoes because I was testing out a pair of shoes. And I was trying to to see like how they're reacting. I kept lacing them differently and trying different foot strikes with it. So I was really absorbed in what I was doing. So it caught me by surprise every single time. And I had the same chain of thoughts, six or seven straight laps. Scary. It, it wasn't even scary. It was just like jolting every time. So did you ever acclimate eventually or was it every single lap? How many laps did you do? I think I did eight. So the last one, I as I was coming up, I was like, you know, it's there. 
<laughs> just, all right, we're good, right? We're good. And then it was fine. Net running at night, anything in the uh, is interesting if you're not on like lit city streets. Even like your local bike path that meanders through a thin strip of woods in between like subdivisions, which happens everywhere. I feel like mm-hmm. going and running that in the dark, you feel like you're all alone and there's axe murderers around every corner and coyotes are going to jump out and gnaw at your ankles, even though there's houses on 40 yards either side of this trail. Yeah. But that little five yard buffer of woods makes you feel like, you know, you're in eternal darkness. It's bizarre how that works. It brings out something primal in us where you end up doing the really wide eye, trying to take in every little bit of light you can glean to see whatever's there and your eyes play tricks on you. But with that really wide eyed, non-blinking look, it like triggers something in your mind and you go to that like fight or flight place slightly, but then everything like you're on edge, every you're just wired. It's weird. Biking is the worst for me because you just know if. If anything, if you hit a, a stick or a rock or if a, an animal or just like something laying in there, if you don't see it, you're going over the front of your handlebars. Do you bike often at night? I get caught sometimes, like not planned ahead. Most people just carry a light of some sort. And I always, always forget that hey, I'm, I'm going to be around dusk getting back. If I, like, if I fall off pace, I'll be cutting it close and probably three or four times a year it happens. Yeah. This is a story I haven't told on here, I don't think. I'm listening. I may have told this with Benny back on Obstacle Dominator, so I'm sorry that you're getting this secondhand. Ah, pay respects. The good old days. Way back in the day. How long? Sorry to interrupt. Now I have a curiosity. I don't know this, but how long did you and Benny collaborate on Obstacle Dominator before you broke his heart and left him for me? Well, we decided to see other people. 32 episodes. One a week? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. So over half a year. Yeah. We, seven, we went from months. like, I want to say we went from early, early spring through world championships for Spartan. So November, October, okay, late September, cool. early October. Continue. Sorry. I was announcing, I was commentating a, a Spartan race in Asheville. You may have even raced there. I've never, I've never raced until this year. Yeah. Never mind. Um, I was injured surprise surprise this was like the year i was no longer racing so it's probably 2017 i i was injured enough to not race but i was i was healthy enough to still do work i just couldn't do intensity so i wanted to get a big weekend in on my feet so i decided we, we were living in lake geneva at the time my i had an early flight like 605 out of milwaukee which that, that 605 flight is a tough one because you have to get up so early to make sure that like sometimes those really early flights have a line through security because there's not enough checkpoints open. So I decided to go to my parents' house the night before instead of going in early because they're only 15 minutes from General Mitchell Airport. And I decided, you know what? We, we only had one car at the time. So I said, I'll, I'll just bike in. And I was going to bike in that afternoon, but it just wasn't going well. And Lisa mm-hmm. and I were just like kind of on edge with each other and I decided I would stick around until all the family stuff was done. So got the kids down, got them to sleep, and then started packing. And then I decided I would bike in. So I didn't leave until 9.45. Okay. That night. Yeah. And Asheville's what? July? Yep. Usually July. Usually. So it's it's night. It's warm. But it's just, it's not 
<laughs> ideal. So my dad had given me a bike light a couple of weeks earlier, just in case I would need a bike light. So I took it and it was handlebar mounted. So I got that. I had charged it the whole day. So it's all set to go pack everything up in a, in a backpack and get on the bike, get into my bike clothes and I head out and I make it six miles and the light dies. That's not good. If you know my dad, that is exactly what anything technology wise would do to you if you borrowed it from him. <laughs> okay. He doesn't take care of his stuff. It's either been abused or it was given to him by someone and he never used it. And it might not have been working in the first place. He does. A, he has a lot of strengths in this world. Technology is not one. And he'll, okay. he'll readily admit that. So I'm at, I hop off the bike to try to fit, fiddle around with it. And I'm swarmed by mosquitoes. I probably have 20 mosquito bites in the first mm -hmm. 20 seconds. And I'm furious. I'm just cursing out everything on this planet. And I finally say, screw it. I'm just going. And I got back on the bike and I started biking and I pulled my cell phone out and I turned the flashlight on and I biked the remaining 42 miles all the way home on a road bike. So I've dropped the handlebars with one forearm resting on the bar, holding the cell phone in front of me so I can see the ground. Oh my goodness. And then it got to the point where my forearms and hands were so tired because it's half of its bike path and half of its county road. And it's not super smooth. And there had been a rainstorm and it had washed over the bike path. The creek had overflown its, its, its banks and then it had receded, but it had left all that silt behind. And I'm on mm -hmm. 26 millimeter tires. Skinny ones. I think 25s maybe. And it's just like, just sliding and losing traction everywhere. And I'm doing this one-handed, trying to hold on. And my forearms started cramping and my fingers started cramping. And I was switching hands every like 30 seconds by the time I'm halfway through the night trying to get there. And so I've made that bike before in two hours. And it took me like 345 because I went probably a 20 mile stretch where I couldn't go above nine or 10 miles per hour because of all the silt on the, it was the worst bike ride of my entire life. So I biked, I left at 945, add almost four hours onto that. Where was this from and to? From Lake Geneva to Milwaukee. Okay, got it. But I know that's that space between Lake Geneva and Milwaukee, you've got like 20 plus miles of sort of no man's land. Yeah, and the White River Trail is part of it and there's some other trails, but that's usually my favorite part, but that was the washed over part. So I had taken a route that I would be a little longer, but I'd be on trail as much as possible so I could avoid country roads at night where you just got some inebriated good old boys coming home on a on a mm -hmm. Thursday night or whatever this was. So anyways, I got in late, late, and then I got up and flew to the race. But that was my worst getting caught in the dark with no light. And then eventually you get to the point where you can only have your cell phone flashlight on for so long. Mm -hmm. So I'd turn it off anytime I hit a place where moonlight came through and then keep my finger on it. And as soon as that went away, I quick tap the flashlight back on and the whole time on a road bike, it was just awful. So terrible. And by the end, my neck was practically cramped up from like locked forward with all my, like my eyes bulging and my throat tense, trying to see the like 18 inches in front of my wheel. Ugh. Now what I want to do is I want to go back and listen to your commentary on that Asheville race and see if you were a shell of yourself. The way I was locked in. Or if you were, if you were, yeah, dialed, I'd be curious to listen now. So then I flew out the next morning, commentated, flew back the same day, and then biked home that night. In the dark again? Yeah. With what light? 
I I manufactured a strap for my phone on the front of my with just a ton of tape. I jerry rigged a setup, hmm. and then I had a uh, I think it was a Mophie power pack connected as well, and I put that in my hydration pack in the front of mine and had the cable connected from that to my light, and my light strapped to my handlebars. I think I had it strapped. I put my tri bars on my clip on tri- arrow bars, and I strapped it in between those two with like bungee mm-hmm. cords and then duct tape, and I rode home with that. What a Pat's job. <laughs> it would probably two of my least favorite rides I've ever had on back-to-back nights. That sounds terrible, Bracken. It was. I don't, I don't really have much to say to that other than I'm sorry to hear about your poor decision-making. It's all right. You know, you know what you do in a situation like that? You hate yourself in the moment, but you look back and laugh. Yep, and you just get through it. So I got 100 miles of biking that week, that, that, that weekend, and moved on towards my next injury. Yeah, I'm sure it really helped your fitness a ton, huh? Couldn't hurt. So anyway, all that <laughs> to be said, I was running in the dusk testing out a pair of North Flight Vectives. Okay. That was a long way to get to that answer that I asked you eight minutes ago. We got a lot of messages after I posted that I was testing them out. A lot of messages, Kirk. How are they? Okay, so they are three North Flight shoes in the Vective running line. North Face? North Face, sorry. North Face Flight Vective, Vective Infinite, and Vective Endurus. Okay. So for purposes of speaking, we'll just call them the Flight, the Infinite, and the Endurus. And the Flight is the racing version. Stripped down, carbon plate, trail shoe. The, the Infinite is the middle one. It's same shoe, but with a slightly beefier upper, and it has the, the composite plate, and right. then the Endurus is like their Hoka version. Maximal stack height, plastic plate, really beefy upper. So I got the the Infinite and don't love it. And so I'm returning it with the Flight on the way. I, I, I learned everything I need to know about the, the Infinite. And they're sending out the Flight now. The Infinite was too heavy for its firm cushioning to be like a true long distance racer for me or daily trainer, but it was too race oriented to be worth the weight. So I couldn't daily train in it that well. And I couldn't race in it either. I could have, but I wouldn't want to. So I'm going all in with the lighter one. I think the both ends of the spectrum, the Endurus, I know will work well for me, but there was just not enough cushioning to be worth the weight. And it was so hard to get a lockdown on my foot. No word does not come to mind with North Face shoes is the word light. Yeah. Because they're so heavy duty and armored. I have a couple pair of North Face, some like two trail hiking shoes and a hunting boot. And they're just so sturdy and thick and Mm -hmm. like nothing about them is responsive. They're just durable. And so I would be very curious about the lightest version of their shoe, how that's going to feel and perform. I will say it's fairly responsive. It, it, they basically said that we're going to create the first super shoe for the trail. And other people have copied it, but theirs is the only one that's relatively stable. I went up and down the ski hill a few times as well, and I was able to do it. And I jumped off the path into the grass on the side. And I ran up and down that, and then I did the path. And I was I never rolled my ankle. I had to engage a little more because I didn't trust the shoe, but I never was. I never felt in trouble. 
and I went down a, a rocky backside of the of the little mini mountain too, and I I could do that just fine. So it's the only plated trail shoe that I've tried that has actual stability to it, okay. which is very impressive in my opinion. They have this plate; it's like your hand, and then if you put your hand underneath it, it's like if you made a a, a plus sign out of your hand and then spread your fingers. Does that make sense? Your top mm -hmm. hand facing forward is the plate. And then underneath it, they have like these little pieces that wrap up over the side and they mm -hmm. provide some anti-roll. It's almost like a, like a car's uh, roll cage. And so it gives just enough that you have a, you don't feel like you're on top of a tippy platform. Okay. So I liked the theory of it on anything up to like 10% de decline. It felt fast. It has a really pronounced rocker roll to it. And I felt like like a Tahoe descent or, or, you know, trail racing, mountain racing. You could fly in this thing. It would encourage your downhill running and your flat running. There's no pep to the foam. It's just a firm rockered ratio. But once you get steep enough, it felt like you can't break well and you can't open up well. It was just kind of jarring and harsh. Okay. So it's probably a tool for like the, the tame descending trails. Like it, don't love it. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. But part of it was I had to crank it so hard to get it tight that then my metatarsals started hurting. Mm. Played around with it. Anyways, I was talking with John Albin about this shoe because he has been wearing it for all his wins. And he described oh. that he liked the flight better because he had foot slippage in the plastic version, but in the carbon one with a little more racy, he didn't have any of that. Okay. I didn't know he wore that shoe. Yeah. I just saw all the race pictures and I was messaging with him and he said he flew out to Chamonix for the OCC race that he won yep. and VJ couldn't get his shoes shipped to him in time. He had a shoe issue and they went to send out the new ones and they couldn't get there in time. So he tried on like 50 shoes at their local running shops and ended up buying like four different shoes and raced for the first time, like a day later or two days later in those north faces and he won the race well let's hope that's not the beginning of the end of his relationship with vj oh, i doubt it mm -hmm. maybe who knows anyway it was kind of crazy because i saw him i'm like this guy's been testing him out nope <laughs> day before buy some shoes go run 60 miles but he also can run a mountain marathon in the irox which not many people can so i think is you know it also might you know he had a foot surgery so clearly he wasn't as kind to his feet as we all know either so that was my response and his response. <laughs> Grain of salt. Uh, exactly. And he said, you know what? As I get older, I can't do the, the IROX for marathons anymore. No. Oh, well, he's wisening up in his age of 31 or whatever it is. <clears throat> um, okay. Well, should we talk about the meat and potatoes of this thing today, Bracken? If we must. I feel like I didn't force this upon you. You seem to oblige, but. No, I meant if we must stop bsing start doing our jobs no i know what you meant and i was referring to our topic today um which i just think we don't talk about enough which sure. is our running public training plan i feel like we if if you're over there listening we rarely bring it up we rarely pay patronage to it and if you're not on the running public training plan I don't think we've ever done a great job of explaining what is actually happening and what will be happening moving forward. So you can't even really make an educated decision whether or not to be on it. 
and that's our fault. Like we tried to be so underselling of our product that we actually do it a disservice. And that's not really fair to us or you guys listening. So I thought taking a half hour to dive into the nuances of the running public training plan today made sense because we're kind of at this point right now where it's like new beginning, so to speak, whether um, you're starting your off season or your base phase already, or you're going to finish up the few last races of the year and then get into an off season or base phase. Um, it's kind of like a clean slate. We got a new year coming up. Um, and I'm sure some of you are starting to think about next year and how to approach it. And our running public training plan aligns with all of that. And so we got to talk about it, Bracken. We do a terrible job of talking about it. Yeah. Intentionally. We, we sold it pretty, not sold it, but we, we walked through it when we first launched it. Yeah. We gave a 20 minute intro on it as part of another training Tuesday. Yeah. But now, now we're at the start of a new year and we just finished off season and we're starting our build. This is like what week two of our build. So it makes sense that let's explain what exactly is the purpose of this training plan. Cause we, we always get that question. Would this be good for me? I have this coming up. Would this be worth me jumping on? And then the same thing about the strength training. So that answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. It's $5 for strength training. <laughs> Right, and and the question we get a lot with strength training, is this for obstacle course racers or is this for runners in general? And the answer is yes. I don't think we have to spend too much time based on the strength training, but it's all the strength principles we talk about are in the strength training plan. You get three workouts per week and it's $5 a month. And the only piece that's OCR specific would be the grip work. Everything else is going to help a road runner as much as it'll help an OCR athlete. So you can always just jump on it and not do the grip and boom, road specific. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's enough, enough right there. We just switched that over what you switched that over last week. I believe we finally got that uploaded this week. So you should be seeing that base training. Yep. Yeah, we finished the off season and we did a week of testing and then we started up our, our base building accompaniment lifting program. Yeah. And just like base phase training, which is like the, I'd call like the least glorious type of run training. Um, that's sort of like lifting follows suit. Like we're getting back to the basics. We're doing foundational movements, looking to stress our nervous system and skeletal system as much as possible. So picking big movements and relaying a new foundation for your strength. And so whether you're hitting the tra- I mean, trails, roads, or OCR, this is the, the roadmap to to get you stronger, which will thus make you more efficient over long distances, which will thus make you faster. So anyways, it, it applies to, to both or all three, I guess, if we want to break it down that way. So I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on the strength plan. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. It's straightforward and it's disgustingly cheap on our end. Yeah. And it should be because it's a pretty simple plan, but it's simple works. And that's why, that's why it's priced where it is. All right, so we just finished out scripting. What do we have? I have it up here in front of me, Kirk. Five, I, 20, first 22 weeks of the year are scripted out for our off-season into first race. So this is, I mean, that right there is important to understand that this isn't a week-by-week training. This is, we scripted 22 weeks of progressive build to get from off-season to race number one. And this training program on there follows the Spartan U.S. National Series into OCR championship season. So it follows the purpose of what you're going to need to be able to do. Build an off-season base, 
go down to Jacksonville and run a somewhere between five and 10 K flat race, and then build up to longer, more arduous mountainish and mountain races throughout the year, and then culminate with peak fitness in fall. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to preface all of that with the understanding that when you look at the training plan, um, you're like, well, I only run stadiums or I only run beasts or I only run X, Y, and Z, or I only run trails or whatever. Um, these are like a, a layered optional um, days in the sense where like, we will give you a prescription based on uh, the typical duration of the races you are training for. So there are three subcategories in a sense for each workout telling you like, hey, if this is your focus, pick X. If this is your focus, pick Z and this pick Y or whatever it works. So like, so it's not just like, yeah, it's just like one size fits all, which in a way it is, but also it's, it's customized within based on your specific needs. So let's say you have other races that, oh, I'm going to do a beast early in the year that is not part of the U.S. National Series, or I have a half marathon trail race in April. And I understand that the Spartan Series is mostly supers and sprints early. Well, you still have the option to train longer or shorter for <laughs> you, which is those directions are given. So just because you're not doing the U.S. National Series or you're not doing Spartan, if you are a road racer or a trail racer, this can still be customized by you making your own decisions along the way. And I just want to make that clear yeah, because otherwise it can exclude a lot of people and it, it doesn't. It includes everybody. Yeah, for sure. It has an OCR emphasis. But with a few slight modifications, it's a great trail racing or road racing plan. And there are three tiers of volume. We call it Sprint Super and Beast because it's based around Spartan Race, but it's basically up to 5K, 10K to half marathon, and then above half marathon. And so each day's volume, you get to choose your, your volume range. And then the workouts are the type of workouts that apply across the board. We like threshold work. There's threshold. Especially there. right now, sorry, like especially these next, what'd you say, 20 weeks, 22 weeks, 22 weeks. It's, it's foundational, no matter what you have on the docket, like this is, it would be the same plan because it's what works. Yeah. So brief overview of this first block of training. This is a 22 week build towards Jacksonville. So basically building towards a five to 10 K OCR race. And so we have the first five weeks, our base building 1.0, which is an aerobic emphasis work on aerobic development and strength training. Then we have base building 2.0, which adds in the skill work of what we're going to need later in the year. Some bounding strides, aerobic interval work, things that still build aerobic capacity, but start laying the groundwork for being able to handle the real work that comes next. That's five more weeks. Then we hit a four-week threshold block and then a race sharpen block, which is four weeks. Now, that's the point where it would first deviate towards OCR. It's basically those last four weeks are OCR-specific skill workouts, and there will be workouts, alternate workouts in there for if you are not racing Jacksonville. Right. I'm glad you said that. Good. Yeah. And what we do throughout this is anytime there's a race day that we build towards, that is our biggest time trial day for people who are not racing. And then throughout here, we time trial every four to six weeks anyway. So even if you're not racing any of these races, it's a progressive training plan that will always get you more and more fit throughout the year. And it'll cycle you on and off to keep you healthy as well. But if there aren't races scheduled, there are time trials. And we usually give two options for time trials on race week. 
a short option and a long option or a flat option and a steep option, depending on what you personally have. So whether you're a 10K road runner or a mountain marathon runner, either one will have a time trial option that suits their needs. Yeah, there's a little bit of a uh, choose your own adventure at times with this and either adventure is the right choice Mm -hmm. because it's purposeful work that's leading you to get better, so to speak. And I think like, you know, the hardest part about like, especially this next phase of the year, which would be like a base building or off season or longer gaps between races is like the accountability factor, like just sitting there scratching your head and wondering what to do tomorrow to me is worth $20 a month. I've paid much more for a coach significantly more for coaches to just tell me what to do. Like, and in this phase, this, what I consider like kind of a non-glorious, non-kudos, non-padding on the back phase of training to have somebody tell you like, it's okay. This is part of the process. This is what you should be doing is comforting. And I think not having to make an extra freaking decision every day is worth 75 cents a day on average for somebody to make that decision for you by telling you what to do on the workout front. Like that yeah. is nothing. And just to save you peace of mind. And so like just following that process, especially right now, because what happens as athletes, and I'm victim of this, I'm sure you have been in the past, is sure, we sit in like base training for like three, four, five weeks. We get bored and we think, okay, I'm ready for my 400 meter repeats or I'm ready for this. Like I'm, I just don't want to keep running and I feel slow and I'm just doing steady stuff. You need somebody to like slap you and be like, no, stop it. Listen, slow down, do it right, build a foundation so that 2022 you can look back and be satisfied with your building approach. What you don't want to do is you don't want to corner yourself early in the year by throwing all these flashy things at yourself already just because you don't know what else to do. It's not correct. And so I just think like right now, like you can fall victim to your own trap, which means like you can rush the process and end up right where you were this time last year, or you can keep it slow and methodical and purposeful and end up light years ahead of where you were last year if you do it right. And that's why we were super biased, but we're helping you through that process is what I'm getting at. When, When I was looking through this past year at some of my athletes' work, there were three peoples that jumped out at me. One, a guy named Kent, a guy named Rob, and a girl named Ashley. And I looked at all three of their plans and they had very very repeatable training. All three of them did where it was pretty personalized to what they were going through, but we didn't get all crazy with variation. We repeated what had worked and we made little micro changes. Uh, Kent had more of a progressive build throughout the year because he had started injured and was working on building. Rob had more repetition with micro changes and Ashley had more of repeating similar blocks, but the type of workouts changing for each race. But all three hit me as, man, if I had just stayed healthy and followed what I told either one of them to do, I would be so much farther ahead right now, despite that plan not fitting my needs. If I had just done the day in and day out work, even if it was monotonous or even if it was not totally mine, I'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. And if I had just plugged in some more specific workouts to me along the way, I'd probably be in pretty monster shape right now. You know, assuming I had done that from day one after surgery until today, I wouldn't be playing catch up now, but instead I tinkered and lost interest and tinkered again and lost interest instead of just saying, it's non-negotiable that I'm doing it. Tell me what to do. 
And that's essentially what we built out here is the, if I just follow this every single day, I'm going to be just fine. But there's also the flexibility for if this OCR workout does not apply to me, I can very easily remove the OCR piece and add another round or two to the workout. And now it's super dialed into my trail race. So it's both. It's set it and forget it or tinker a little bit because there's such clear confines of when we're quality working and when we're recovering that it's hard to really go wrong. Yeah. I like that you took time to talk about that. Um, it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? As a, as a coach, I think pretty much every coach we've talked to has talked about that same thing you just spoke about, which is like, sometimes you're too close to the fire to understand like what's in it. What's about that Bracken? What is that about? I, I don't know. It's that do as I say, not as I do concept that I know better. And so I don't have to follow the rules anymore. Mm -hmm. And eventually everyone gets burnt by that. Yeah. The only reason you're successful in the first place is because you did every little thing right or you got super lucky. And you don't get lucky in endurance sports <laughs> because no. fitness is only built through work. And so eventually you get to the point where you're at and then you either keep doing that or you disregard it and say, I know everything now. So I'm going to start doing exactly what I'm gonna, I want to do now rather than exactly what got me to this point. Mm -hmm. I know Good I'm guilty point. of it. Yeah. So basically we outlined, you know, you outlined Bracken. Do that again. It went. Rrr. My audio does that sometimes on this. It just sounds like I'm screaming at you for like three seconds. It's the weirdest thing. I don't get what's going on with that. I don't either. The listeners know because once in a while on the recordings, it just like blows your ears out for like two seconds. I don't get it. We got the same microphone. Same exact mic. Hmm. Um, Getting some reverberation back through your beard hair that I can't grow. That's what it yeah, is. I need to trim these things. I'm getting more white hairs in here than I've ever seen before. And I'm plucking them out, but I'm not keeping up. I got a little white patch here on the left side of my chin. I just thought that was a like a gap in your facial hair. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's tough to tell because there's gaps everywhere. It is tough to tell. But what, what Bragan was saying is the first 16 weeks are non-OCR uh, specific. So like uh, I'm sure some of you are still sitting out there thinking like, oh, this might not be for me. These guys talk about obstacle course racing a good bit, but uh, first 16 weeks have zero true application to um, specifics out on course. It has everything to do with the foundation. 14, Kirk. 14, sorry. sorry. My bad. We don't want to, I don't want to have them get to week 15 and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We weren't supposed to be doing carries yet. <laughs> okay. Because somebody would be, probably notice that. But you get the idea. That's the one thing this has taught me. There is someone out there who will always find fault with what you're doing. Oh, they'll always correct you too. And they will let you know. Sure will. But you will always feel bad about trying to do good at some point. Just can't be perfect. Um, so do you want to outline? So, so let's talk about this. So you understand. We're And by the way, if you didn't start in week one, we should address that first off. Like it's okay if you didn't start in week one. Mm -hmm. You can hop in in week three or week six or whatever it is. It's okay. You can be doing whatever training you're currently doing and hop on in. Um, that's not a problem at all. And it shouldn't impact anything. If you're off season, let's say it doesn't make sense for you to take your break or a seven to 10 day break for another few weeks. And you hop on the running public training plan in week four or five, like the process isn't going to be rushed. And so, it's very safe to do so and still with purpose if done so, because I know it doesn't always perfectly align. People haven't hopped on week one, not everybody. So 
I just want to make that clear. It's important, important point to me. Yeah, it is. So you want to give the like a, a little bit more detail about what this plan looks like? I do. I think we should. I think we should dangle the carrot a little bit. All right. We keep things very sterile on this plan. Every Tuesday is quality workout number one. Every Saturday is quality workout number two. In between every Thursday is that medium long effort where you have flexibility to either work aerobically and use it as more of an easy day or push it the needle a little bit and use it as a kind of a tweener day. And each of those alternate between more of a hill emphasis Thursday and a skill emphasis Thursday. In season, that skill emphasis will look like carries and grip for the most part. Right mm-hmm. now, it's the skill emphasis is running. So it's a flattish, medium, long run. Yep. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are the pillars of the week. The other pillars are then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, which are easy in recovery, preparing you for the other ones. But since we don't really have true quality right now, the big emphasis of the first eight weeks, 10 weeks, is just aerobic development. The quality aren't truly quality. So right now, our Tuesdays alternate between easy runs with scripted strides at the end and aerobic intervals with no strides at the end. And the aerobic Mm -hmm. intervals are 30-30 for an hour. 30 seconds quick and relaxed. 30 seconds walk, jog around, totally recovering. And the pace for the 30 seconds on is at your one hour goal race pace. So think about that pace. However fast you could hold for a whole hour is what you're doing for a 30 second snippet and then 30 seconds of recovery. And you're doing that 60 times. So you're doing 30 minutes of one hour race pace and 30 minutes of basically walk jogging and never more than 30 seconds at a time. So your heart rate never rises. It's basically just running an aerobic run with your strides mixed in throughout it to work on form and turnover. Mm-hmm. And get that biomechanical efficiency and those like systems kind of firing. And as we talked about with Ian Hosick two weeks ago, like you can't hold peak volume and you can't hold peak intensity and you can't certainly hold both at the same time for very long. And the longer you take in your build, in our opinion, the smarter you are with laying the foundation, the longer you actually can hold those things later, meaning peak volume and peak efficiency and peak intensity. So by sprinkling it in now, but holding back just a little bit, what it's going to allow you to do is swing the hammer hard AF and for much longer once you choose to, once we get into the meat and potatoes of your season. And so we're just sprinkling. We're just planting little seeds right mm-hmm. now. We're just, we just tilled the dirt, as Bracken would say, and we're sprinkling in the seeds appropriately, but we're not oversaturating the garden. Everything's going to have room to grow, and we're just making sure like everything has its space right now, I think is kind of the point. Well, and what do we define our threshold zone as? 40 to 60 minutes, depending on how well-trained you are. So mm-hmm. these 30-second intervals are done at the slowest pace. It could be still considered threshold pace. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds of that. Your interval is done before you even feel the effort. So it's really not interval work. It's really not quality work. It's just a mentally engaging aerobic run. That's all it is. So we're alternating though. You're not even doing that every week, every other week, just to get your legs turning over and making sure that we don't totally leave skills out. Monday is just easy run in one of our lifts. 
Wednesday is easy run in another lift. Friday is easy run in the third lift. And it's also option to do cross-training cardio. If you can't spend that much time on feet, meaning then you're getting on the bike or you're you're doing whatever optional non-impact cardio on those days if necessary. Thank you for saying that. In fact, the title of the workout is aerobic work. It doesn't even say run. The description says work aerobically and take no damage. If you can do that while running, do it. If you can't, transition to a non-impact version and do it there. So we don't even prescribe how many days you run. We prescribe how many days you work and you fill in the running volume as you can. If that starts as I run three days a week and I'm biking or hiking or elliptically in the others, that's fine. We are getting the work done at the prescribed effort and recovery range and you use the modality that fits that goal. And I would even argue if you are in the injury camp, sometimes it's hard to understand what to do with yourself either because we've both been there. And that means like, hey, if you want to plan to follow, even though you are uh, out of the game a little bit on the running front, like you can follow this outline, even if you're stuck in quotes on the bike or you're in the pool. It's not that difficult to translate, meaning at this point, getting the time in above everything else is important, whether it is running or it's another part of aerobic development or another modality, sorry. So like if that means 30 seconds a little harder and 30 seconds coasting on the assault bike in place of your 30, 30 intervals, for example, like that's still a plan for you to follow. So um, even if you're out of the game a little bit, I think some structure is actually probably more important for you. And Mm -hmm. so this can even help that. If you're injured, you know what's smart? Like let's go back to foundational strength work and like let's rebuild at least some things that might prevent you from getting injured next time. So like just because maybe you can't run right now also does not exclude you from the outline of a plan like this. So I wanted to get that point across because this is a model like giving you the option. Like I've built my career on sometimes three days a week running, which means like I'm filling all those days with cross training, non-impact cardio, but still hitting the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. That's the same outline that Bracken has followed and that I have followed for the last five years and Bracken, maybe you longer. Um, And that formula works. It spreads out the... Um, the days that matter just enough and it sprinkles in a little extra time on feet in between what I consider like the Tuesday, Saturdays are always the highlights of the week where my eyes always go to right away. And then Thursday is kind of that betweener day to like create enough stimulus um, to keep the needle moving forward, but not too much to impact, let's say your Saturday long run. And so um, that formula we've been prescribing to ourselves, like I will say like, Maybe you don't take your own advice all the time, but I would say like these pillars in general, when I'm focused on training, mm-hmm. like, these are the principles we're, we're applying ourselves. Every successful race I've ever had was preceded by this formula. Yeah. And that third, one of the criticisms, or I wouldn't say maybe it's criticism. One of the pushbacks I get when I prescribe training to people is I don't want to do only two quality workouts a week. I need to do three. And I say, sure, that's fine. But I'd always rather add another quality session in when we realize we're not getting enough stimulus than have to take one away when we realize we're overcooking it. Mm -hmm. But that's where this Thursday allows you to choose your own adventure. If you are absolutely a three quality workout a week type person, Thursday is a quality workout for you. Instead of easy hill reps, you're doing hard hill reps. And if you're a person that cannot do three, you can only do two, you're doing easy aerobic hill running that day. And if you're someone that's somewhere in between, you've graduated past only two, which we still both believe you can do two your whole career. But if you're someone who's past that, but you're not ready for a full three, then you get 
a little bit of it. Maybe you're running every other up hard or you're just always staying aerobic, but you're working fast on the downhills. There's always room to add that little bit or take that away on Thursday. I still think anybody that's doing three quality workouts a week is a psychopath. I think, uh, I, don't. I, think I do. I think when you hit swing the hammer hard enough, like once it really comes down in mid season, like two Christ two seems like too much. If I swing hard on Tuesday, sometimes my Saturday is still a little compromised. That's just me. It's just me. Those cycles out there. And I think that the people that can't handle the volume duration of big workouts that do very well off cutting both down a bit and hitting a third instead. I fully am on board. And, and if you're running 10 times a week, 12 times a week, 14 times a week, sure. a third workout only makes sense. But if you're only running five to six times a week, two is enough for 90 plus percent of those people out there. Yeah. Pros who double every day. Yeah. You need a third session, maybe even a fourth for some of those people. Wild. If you are a pro doubling twice a day, you're not signing up for a $19 training plan because you have a coach that is being paid to coach you <laughs> rather than you buying plans. Someone's paying that coach to work with you. So that's we're not talking to that 1%. We're talking to the 99% others. But hey, if we got a pro on the plan, message us, okay? And we're going to definitely put your face all over our training plan. Let yes. us know. Maybe that'll be the new shirt, their face on a running public shirt. I have a feeling we're going to get crickets from that request, but I do too. And then why don't we do this? Why don't we just, you know, without giving away the farm, can we talk about, can we project a little bit further then after uh, late February? Why don't we just real quick? Do you want to, mm -hmm. I know you have your phone in front of you and you're kind of looking over the grand scheme of things, but um, do you want to talk about it just real quick? Yeah. So then what we have, what I would call a maintenance build. And I understand that that is a little off-putting, a nonsensical term. But after each race, we reset and go back to the things that made our fitness what it was. We remove the race specificity, build back into threshold workouts, long runs, build a bit of volume, extend workouts a little bit, but get back to maintaining the skills we already had. Mm -hmm. So we maintain while rebuilding. And so if we do four-week prep of threshold and then a four-week prep of race specificity, we reset back to some volume and threshold and build to the next race and then sharpen up with race specificity. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing six or seven periodized builds. We're doing one long extended periodized build with skill sharpening before races rather than playing with crazy volume ramps and decreases throughout the year. We're doing our stepladder approach throughout the year with skill sharpening to match the needs of a race. Yep. And don't let it fool you. Like, you know, we haven't really talked a lot of flashy, like we flashy workouts. Like we like to, you know, in episodes in the past, we've talked about like our favorite OCR workouts or our favorite uh, trail running workouts and all of that. Like know that that stuff is coming. Mm -hmm. So when you get on a plan, like we've talked about the simplicity works and why it is a little bit simpler right now. So we lay a foundation. So those flashy workouts, which you will get, um, soak in better. There's somewhere for them to be absorbed. If you don't have the foundation, there's nowhere for them to set in and sink their teeth into your body and really do what they need to do long-term. So flashy workouts do come. They are coming. All that stuff that you hear us talk about, the glory, the glorious stuff that you see people post on social media, like our secret sauce workouts are part of the process, but they all mean a little less if you don't properly build yourself up to them. And yeah. so 
Like that stuff will start being filtered in after this 14 weeks, not 16, Bracken. And you'll be getting that stuff. Like, But again, it means less if you didn't properly set yourself up to dive into them. And that's why I just think it's so damn important to consider hopping on it sooner than later, because it's going to be more impactful later if you hop on sooner. Yeah. And, and they're built too. I mean, this plan follows the principles of the several hundred dollar plans that that you can get us to create for you. It's the same principles. We're not going to throw you a sexy workout. We're going to throw you version one of sexy workout and build from attractive workout to sexy-ish to super sexy workout. Like it will build sequentially and and we won't just throw one, which is why we get there when we get there. And then we progress that workout. We we are big fans of progressing a series of workouts rather than hitting a series of random sexy workouts. They have to have a purpose forward and backward. I agree. And you know what I like about the training plan versus customized coaching? The one thing that I think it is a perk. Um, customized coaching is always better. It's going to be perfectly customized to you with a lot of communication in between and all of those things. What I do like about the training plan is that... Um, you know, as a coach, sometimes I would say the one mistake you can make is you can let an athlete's early season race or their heavy influence, be like, you know what, I'm just going to shut them up and I'm going to send them the, the, the glory stuff right away because they've been running for a while. Or they've been doing this and let's really impress this athlete and really give them what they're asking for. Right. And then you go away from your own principles to appease somebody. And it's a hard line to walk as a coach. Because like, this is the plan, like you give me this simple plan and I'm paying you X to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I want the flash. I want the the glam and the glitter. But like, I would almost rather like not have that outside influence and be able to be like, no, this is what you're doing. I don't give a shit about what you want right now. It's We're going to be very happy people come mid-racing season if you just listen and slow down. And so what I like about this is we're taking that approach. We're making you slow down. We're making you... Like, do it right. And you know a fault as a coach is sometimes it's like, fine, here you go. Here's the glam right away. You happy? And we're not letting ourselves do that. We're holding ourselves accountable here by not knowing you're necessarily a personal story and your wants and desires and heart streams right now because all we care about is later. You know what I'm saying? No, it's a good point. And when you pay for coaching, are you paying for workouts or are you paying for interaction and coaching? And I would argue that the more you pay, the more you're paying for the coach, not the workout. And when I look at the athletes who take advantage of that with me, the ones who schedule weekly or every other week Zoom calls and we go over everything, they're probably the ones that feel the most bang for their buck, but their plan is often the simplest. Because we connect weekly or every other week and we stay up to date on what we need to do and we make micro changes, but we stay confident in the process. But the athletes who I don't connect with once, twice, three times, four times a month face-to-face are the ones where you don't really think that they think they're getting their bang for their buck. And you start giving some tweaks and some, let's shake it up and let's make sure that they feel like they're, you start to replace your interaction with workouts. And that's what this plan eliminates, which is 
you get to shortcut yourself to the point where we've interacted so much and we care so much about each other that we'll stick to the plan. Yeah, exactly. Like the plan's there. The plan doesn't care if you win your first race or take last in your first race. It's going to still build sequentially and it won't let me or you get in the way because we are emotional humans. And like I said a lot, we're not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. We can't trust ourselves to maintain the plan when podiums or disasters happen. This plan removes that human fallible nature. Do you know what the plan is really when I think about it? The plan is this. You work with an athlete the first year and they're racing a shitload and you kind of shake your head at that. Like you're never going to be your best self and you jump in mid season. And so you throw them, they got races in three weeks and you throw them the spice, which is appropriate at the time to help them get ramped up right away. Then you get to the end of the season and they finally trust you and you have a good working relationship and you say, all right, we're going to do this right next year. I'm sick of you hopping on in July, having 27 races the second half of the year. I've thrown you all the spice and it's been a big cluster fuck of mishmash because I'm getting you to the races. I get it. We joined mid season, but then finally you have this like coming to Jesus peace talk and you say, listen, season two, we're doing this because now we trust each other. You're getting year two coaching because we're assuming you trust us after listening to us for two years. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what the plan is. You're getting sophomore season coaching on the foundation of trust that we've built, hopefully, since we started this podcast. Does that make sense to you, Bracken? That's what you're getting. Now, there will be some people who were on it last year who say, this looks a little familiar to last year, and it's a little different. And that's what training looks like. You repeat a lot of what you do, but you refine it. And there'll be some people on here who have you or I for a coach, not on here, but hear us talk and be like, I do that workout, but I pay you a lot more than those people do. And that's because it's a good workout. And I shouldn't, I'm going to give you good workouts because you're paying me a lot of money. And I'm going to give them good workouts because they deserve good workouts. The secret is not in the workout. The secret is in the entire year of work. So yeah, there's going to be crossover between our training plans because there are only so many workouts under the sun. There's going to be those. Now, if you have a buddy who's on this and their plan is exactly your plan, you're getting taken for a ride. (laughs) But obviously that's not how it's going to work. But yeah, we're going to talk about the same workouts you're doing because they're good workouts. Exactly. Yeah. We'd just be going against our I'm doing them. I do hunting vert every week. I do a version of 30-30 several different blocks throughout the year. I do... Mm -hmm long runs with a cut down. I do KDE. I do shoots and ladders. I do OCR 400s. I do threshold intervals. They're the same pieces that all of us use. It's how we put it together and how we then personalize it for others. Yeah. And you also do those uh, boring, non-glorious aerobic runs. Those have become my absolute favorite, Kirk. Yeah. It's a good stuff. Man. Do you know why? Because they don't expose my fitness. <laughs> Stop. I can go out and listen to an audiobook and just run. And now I can go run for 70, 80, or 90 minutes. And I feel like a baller. And I don't have to worry about about redlining. Yeah, redlining is painful. Last thing I want to add to this, um, and then I think we've spoken enough. I think we've, you know, dangled the carrots enough, unless you have some other points you want to touch on. But we do have a running public training plan on Facebook. So just because you're not interacting with us personally on like a weekly level as coaches, 
Um, seems like people uh, feed, a, you know, bounce things off of each other in the running public training group. Basically, you go on Facebook and you look up the running public and then either Bracken or myself will approve or deny your request based on if we think you're cool or not. But once you're in, then um, you can start, you know, you're all on the same plan. So you all can relate to each other on the workouts. And I see people interacting on there every week. Um, I'd like to see more of it. I think people could, you know, you're all in the same boat. X people are doing the same prescription or a version of it. So uh, it's your chance to also just bounce it off of everybody, develop a sense of community because you don't necessarily have us personalized as a coach to chat with on the phone or via email every week. And so taking advantage of that um, is helpful. And I see a lot of people bouncing ideas off of each other and they're just asking how the workouts went and things like that. And so that's your opportunity to feel like a part of a community as well. So um, you can take advantage of that once you're on board. I have a confession to make, Kirk. This weekend, Lisa said there's someone had a question in the Running Public Facebook group. I don't think I've received a notification in months from that thing. I created the group and I don't get notifications. I have to figure out what in the world is going on there. So my commitment to that group is to be present this year. Yeah, I, it's hit or miss for me. I don't really understand it because I have my personal training page mm-hmm. and then I have this page and then somehow it's connected through my Instagram and I'm very confused. So sometimes I get notifications, sometimes I don't. I have everything turned on and I made it. Why would I not get a message every time someone posts? It's very strange. It's like selective hearing with your significant other. Sometimes you just... I wouldn't know anything about that, Kirk. Uh-huh, because you're a perfect husband. Is that why? What was that? Uh-huh, funny. <laughs> funny. Anything else you want to add, brother? Do that again. It went way up. Anything you want to add, brother? That's going to sound weird. <laughs> Kirk's mind Anything... went way up. I, I told him to say it again, then he whispered it, but you guys won't hear that it went way up. Anything else you would like to say, brother? I got to keep all that in there, by the way. Otherwise, it's going to sound loony. I will. Uh, yeah, I guess that the strength training is separate. The strength training isn't an additional add-on to the strength work that will already appear in the OCR training plan. It is standalone. So there is no strength training outside of the functional movements from some of the OCR work that'll happen later in the season. If you want strength training, you have to buy that $5 per month add-on. You can have it solo. You can plug that into any program you're doing, or you can add it onto this one and it pairs nicely because it's made in conjunction with this, but it works as a standalone as well. But there will be no lifting in the plan by itself. We don't even talk about this. We're knuckleheads. $19.95 a month is the running public training plan. Or $99. $95? $99? 20 bucks a month. We should have just made it 20 bucks. We shouldn't be gimmicky like that. $19.99 sounds so much better than 20. We should just give it to him for 20 flat. We should think about that. $19.99 does sound better. Plus then we get an extra penny. <laughs> yeah, it would be rich. Um, $19.99 a month. You can cancel it anytime through your... Uh, there's no like no long-term commitment there. And yes, you have to click on the $5 strength add-on. And we should tell them where to go, which is uh, the runningpublic.com. Yeah, the process is... You sign up on the runningpublic.com. It goes through PayPal. It sends an email to us, and then we go and manually onboard you. You get a process and an email that's very clearly spelled out what you need to do to get signed up for Training Peaks. Training Peaks has a free and a paid version. You only need the free version. You can pay for all the extra stuff they give, but we don't use the premium features in ours. We don't 
we don't program that into the workout. So you'll get no added benefit from us and you'll not miss any benefit from us if you do the the paid versus the free. So the free is just fine. As soon as you appear on Training Peaks, it will give us a notification that you're there. And then we go in and confirm you and you're on. If you yep. do it in the first half of the day, you'll be all set by the end of the day. And then I would say just as a side note, ask, because we got a good number of athletes on the plan, which is great. Um, any of you that been on a while, if you have anything that you would like to see improved or changed or just thoughts on the general like setup, like the skeleton of this thing, like shoot us a message on um, on Instagram just letting us know like, Hey, I love this, but I would think like this would be a nice feature or that or something, just anything within reason. I would be curious a little bit there if there's any glaringly obvious thoughts from current users. Yeah. Um, Cause we're, you know, this will be a constant work in progress, but um, it's pretty dialed in right now, but I'd like to hear some thoughts. If there's any, don't go out, don't be making stuff up just for the sake of giving feedback, but like if it's some real true heartfelt stuff that you think could benefit um, a user, let us know. All right. My last thing I want to talk about, Kirk, my famous line is if you are not on the Running Public Facebook group, but you're on the plan, you just may not know about it. Go ahead and request to come on there. But people seem to use different names on Training Peaks and Facebook, and then their PayPal email address is an old email address or their maiden name or their aunt's address. Like it's, it's not the same. So what I would request is... I, I hate when people use their aunt's address on things. It's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> happens all the time. It happens, Kirk. I <laughs> I can't tell you okay. how many times I see a name pop up on Training Peaks and I have no idea who this person is because it doesn't match their email name and it doesn't match their PayPal account. Try sorting out the running public beer mile and Burpee 10K results. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Based on, yeah, that, that was a nightmare. Continue. So anyway, two requests. One, when you sign up for Training Peaks, use a name that I can identify you by instead of like Big Jim. I don't know who that is. And then two, if you request from Facebook to join our group, send me an email as well on the Running Public and just say, hey, this is so-and-so. My name I just requested with on Facebook is blank. That way you'll get an automatic acceptance. Otherwise, we see this name that's not your real name or it's your Facebook name or whatever it is. And we have to try to play internet sleuth and decide, does this person belong in the training group? It'll just simplify for us. I agree. It's not like we're posting these workouts in the Facebook group, by the way. So you can't like go get like freebies by like hopping in the Facebook group and then be like, oh, here's my free training plan. Doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. Got to get on training peaks through the system. Yep. Okay. I'm happy. You happy? I'm a happy man. Cool. I think it's about time we talked about this. I hope you're okay with us plugging our own product, but um, I feel as if it were overdue, Bracken. So I'm glad we took the time. Yeah. And if it was about a year ago, the last time we talked about it, well, we just went like, what, probably like 46 weeks with no sponsors on here. So mm-hmm. maybe we, it was probably 30 minutes worth of sponsor airtime we gave up. We just gave it right back. We are our own sponsors and you listeners are our sponsors as well. Isn't that nice? That is nice. Kirk, I'm going to go hit the trails. You already ran today, didn't you? Yeah, I ran 16 miles aerobically. It was enjoyable. You're going to brag a little bit? You're going to say what your heart rate was at? I think I averaged 654 pace and my average heart rate was 138. Woo! So that was a 16-mile recovery run. If there is such a thing, if that's not an oxymoron, I don't know what is, but... 
cardiac wise, that was a recovery run. Yeah, my, I wanted to. Uh, I said I'm going to keep my pacing in the 650s, and I just want to see what my body is going to do. Because it's one of these days I could float with how my schedule's been working. I was like, I, I can kind of get away with a middle of the road run. Well, it turns out like, you know, I, typically for that sort of cardiac response, I'd be running 710 to 720, let's say back. So I, I'm probably bumped up about 15 to 25 seconds per mile at that effort, and so. Um, Things are looking good, bragging. I do like that, Kirk. I like the fact that you had instant, instant success. Just removing alcohol, not no poison. Instantly, your body just started feeling a little better. It wasn't. It certainly wasn't instant, but I mean, instant in terms of how quick does fitness usually take to build versus how quick did you feel in a different place? Yeah, it's one of those things where you don't realize how bad you felt until you realize how feeling good actually is supposed to feel. Yeah. And I know I'm not out of the weeds yet. Like I still have my days, but in overall trending the right direction, what are you doing today? And then we're cutting this thing. That's what I'm pulling up right here, Kirk. I am. Today is the eighth. I have four weeks from two days ago until race day. So this weekend I'm going to do another big hill workout. Probably going to go three hours one more time. I like it. That'll give me two full weeks of recovery and then race week. So I am going to go easy today. Tomorrow I'll do Alpine Valley. I'll do some hill reps, uh, probably six half mile up, half mile down hill reps. And then Saturday I'll probably do three-ish hours, maybe 245, but I'm going to do them fast. I'm going to try to see if I can run and like, mid to low 11s for two and a half, three hours, rather than running mid to low 12s for three and a half. I for, your, see, for your laps you're talking about. For each loop miles. of that. Yeah, that hill loop. And and then I'll test some more. Uh, I'll test the flight vective out. I'll I'll figure out which, which shoe I'm going to use depending on the terrain. Because they just mowed. They did their final mow of the ski hill. So now it's beat down a little bit. And I'll test out shoes on that terrain as well. I'll bring all three shoes down and determine on race day, whether it's wet or dry. And then I'll have the backups waiting to slip into if something goes awry. I'm going to say, bring your, bring your, uh, bring your old reliables along with just in case. I'll be bringing the speed goat for the evil Mafate and a North, uh, North face. And then I'll probably bring my, um, my VJ ultras Mm-hmm. just in case like grips just not happening in any other shoe if it rains and it gets chewed up and cushioning matters less because it's a mud bath and i just need something that stays locked to my feet and has some tread well, bj will do that for you they make yes, fantastic yeah you know, contact with the earth well good luck you as well recover from that 16 i'm sure you'll do another 10 tomorrow at 550 pace not true not true i'm gonna assault bike strength wad tomorrow my brother i like that yeah all right folks thanks for listening hopefully we'll see your you know names popping up on the plan see you friday for the coaches episode yes you will